0: I'm RJ Bell with the sports betting headlines for Wednesday. Aaron Rodgers wants to be a host of a TV show. Could he want that and to win a Super Bowl enough for the Packers? I think that's a question. We're going to lead with that. Kevin Durant returns, Harden out for 10 days plus. Nets are the favorite to win the title plus 250. Master starts early in the a.m. The two favorites: Dustin Johnson nine to one, D. Shambo eleven to one. Here comes a full hour of the Vegas Truth, covering all that and more.
1: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is straight out of Vegas, with the voice of Vegas. Your host, R.J. Bell. The The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell.
0: You heard it. I'm R.J. live on a Wednesday, live in Las Vegas, live on 225 FSR stations across this great... Great Nation in studio, Steve Fezzik. Jonas, due back tomorrow. We're excited. Sports batters listen for the money. Sports fans listen to know more than their buddies. And we're going to start with the Vegas lead today. And it is Aaron Rodgers, but it's also the meaning of life and <laughs> Albert Einstein. All right, here's what we know for sure. We. There's so many particular things about happiness, about living a righteous life. When I say particular, I mean contextual, as in what was this person's history? You know, one person sits there and has three kids and sitting on the park bench and saying life is beautiful. Another person is saying, why didn't I, my rock band make it? And the three kids are bothering him. We, we got the entire perspective And what we know from our own lives is what we thought five years ago. We often don't think five years later. And thus the idea that what we're thinking right now is so sanctified. It's so correct. If you have parts of your belief system that you carry with you from the beginning or from early on, that's a wonderful thing. And I think some people have that. And I think others don't. I think the ones without it miss it. And... I think that as society evolves, and and I guess evolves isn't the right word as much as as we become more secular, uh, you know, where religion isn't in this country as big of a facet of lives. You start to wonder what are those things, and obviously a lot of people out there still have uh, religion as a key part of their lives, and. I'm Catholic. My mom goes, she's one of the two times a week church goers, right? The Wednesday morning mass. So I appreciate that. It isn't necessarily a huge part of my life, though I, I, I see the value of it. I do in that it's something to believe in. So why do I say all this? It's because we can sit and judge Aaron Rodgers when it comes to quality of life, We can sit and judge. And Colin did, I think, a very insightful segment today saying, you know, maybe he's showing the Packers that he isn't really committed because they're not committed. And it's like brinksmanship, it's like a chess game. And I'm saying, I'm not even sure about who's right and wrong about all that. And that's where Einstein comes in, where he had obviously, we know his name for a reason. When someone's smart, they say, You're Einstein. That means you were pretty smart when literally it's like, you know, John Holmes, Einstein. I mean, there's a couple people that meet that criteria and he had most of his important scientific discoveries by the age of 26. I think it was 1922. He had three papers that were literally a bulk of what he ended up contributing. And then for the next, what, 40 years, he was trying to come up with a unified theory of relativity and he never could never could. in his hospital bed. There's like notes he was taking, trying to work it out as he was dying. He spent 40 years trying to do it, never did my point being, I don't have a unified theory of the meaning of life. And you know what? No one does in a way that others have embraced because in every other field, we stand on the shoulders of the people before us. And science, like we can say, oh, Galileo, he was great, or Da Vinci. But like a high school senior that's smart knows more science than Da Vinci did. Why? Because of standing on the shoulders of everyone that came after them. Okay, so if there were this easy meaning of life, or not even easy, but a clear, here's the answer, E equals MC squared or whatever then someone would have came up with it. They would have written it down, and we all would have said, ah, that's what we were missing. But we've got from pre-Bible till now, people starting their lives a certain way and ending their lives a certain way. And in general, it feels like there's more questions at the end than at the beginning. And thus, if there were an answer, someone would have came up with it, written it down, and we all could embrace it, like science, like so many other things. But what we can do is look at things in a simple way and say, in this sense, it's right or wrong or good or bad. Colin did an interesting thing saying, holistically, in the meaning of life, Aaron Rodgers is maybe doing – maybe. But here's what I know for sure. Aaron Rodgers talking about Jeopardy, and here's the quote. I would love to be the host of Jeopardy, yes. I don't think I'd need to give up football to do it. They film 46 days a year. I worked 187 this year in Green Bay. Here's what we know. That isn't a guy that's maximizing the chance to win the Super Bowl. We can debate, is that right or wrong? We can debate meaning of life. We can debate brinksmanship and negotiation. And it's an interesting point on the herd today is the idea of maybe this is a negotiation ploy to say, I've got an alternative. Maybe I won't even play football. Maybe. But the fact he's thinking of all this means that the Green Bay Packers have less of a chance to win the Super Bowl. And it's not coincidental of all the quarterbacks of the last 20 years, I would make the case that talent versus Super Bowl output, Aaron Rodgers is at the bottom of the list. Steve Fezzik joins. Do you put Aaron Rodgers at the bottom of that list? And let's again, who's the most talented quarterbacks of the last 20 years? Oh, Tom Brady. All right. Well, maybe he is, maybe he's... No, no, no. Try to listen to the question. Who's the most talented quarterbacks of the last 20 years? Aaron Rodgers. All right. Who else? Wow. I'm trying to think about who I would come up with. Is that what you're doing? Russell Wilson. The third-round pick? Yeah. Uh, Okay. So Aaron Rodgers obviously is a guy with massive talent. And we can sit and say, oh, we're setting the bar too high for him. Yeah, maybe. But when they talk about arm strength, and the measurables, all those things, he's at the top of the list. He's got one Super Bowl, which is an accomplishment. Let's not say it's not. But when you're one in five in championship games, and you're talking about you worked 187 days, how could he even know that? How could he even know that? Mm-hmm. When, I, I'm, when I'm hiring people for pregame.com, if they ask about vacation, I, I maybe will ask one more question and move on. Not that they don't deserve vacation. Everyone does. But if that's the question, they're not focused on the right thing. That's my take. You might disagree with that. If, if you do disagree, I hope you're one of my competitors. It's the way I look at it. And again, I think that work can be a joy in all that, but if you're counting the days, and obviously Aaron Rodgers is a bright guy. He's a talented guy. He's a good looking guy. He's got a lot going for him. And maybe that's why he doesn't care so much about football. Maybe that's the point. But he certainly, it seems, cares less than Tom Brady. Even Russell Wilson, perhaps. The 5'11", super talented third-round pick. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Shifting gears is something Fez did well. Pick on the Philadelphia 76ers yesterday. An easy winner. I think there's a bigger story here. What was your takeaway
2: from the game? Philly just dominated inside. Look at the free throws. Philly shot almost 40 free throws, more than double what Boston shot inside. Philly got six more rebounds. So just domination in the paint for Philly. And
0: the Celtics the entire year have underperformed. And the question is, why? And I said yesterday, Bill Simmons, who is a Celtics mega fan, Uber fan said, "Oh, some of the trade deadline stuff, some of the buyouts. He was optimistic about. Now, again, it takes a while to integrate new players and all that. But yesterday did not seem like the kind of performance to be proud of. And now the question becomes: uh, uh, To what consequence? What is the ramifications of this for Boston? Meaning, uh, Brad Stevens is his job even a question mark?" Because if it were, he would be like literally it wasn't that long ago that Brad there were, was Brad Stevens worth the 10th pick in the draft? Like how much would you pay in draft capital to get Brad Stevens? Now has that fundamentally changed? Has, does this year say he's not a good coach or he's not an elite coach? I think no one would think he's average, but is he the 12th best coach, Brad Stevens? I think that would be a massive overreaction though I do think there's a very valid question about the Celtics and Brad Stevens. Can he manage the super egos of superstars? Because what we know is he can manage college or he can coach, manage college players. He did that exceptionally well at Butler. We know that when the Celtics were a team of mostly youngsters that were coming into their own as superstars, Tatum, Brown, he did an excellent job. Making those East Finals was exceeding expectations. But Kyrie comes in, a guy who is leading, or one of the leaders, no doubt, on a Nets team that's the favorite to win the title, who was an instrumental second man when LeBron won a title against a 73 win. Warriors team we can talk about flat earth or whatever the guys got some credentials at this point underperformed in Boston couldn't wait to get out of there is that an indictment of Kyrie or is that an indictment of Stevens and the Celtics I think it was pretty easy to think it was about Kyrie are we starting to wonder as Brown and Tatum become superstars is Stevens the right guy to manage them to coach them I think it's an open question. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And Fez, in the last segment, we're going to be talking, uh, and maybe we'll do that next, actually, because we are going to do in the last, about before 650, we're going to make you better than 50-50 on the Masters. We're going to do a big Masters preview in the last segment. And it's it's one of those ones you don't have to bet, but it's going to tell you who's favored, what's the uh, likelihood of a hole-in-one, those kind of things. I think next what we'll do is let's talk about the Nets because Kevin Durant is coming back, Harden's out, and I think the thing people aren't realizing about the rest of the season, because you can say, who cares about the regular season? In fact, Colin actually thought maybe Harden's just resting. I totally disagree with that because the stakes of the number one seed in the East are massive. We'll explain when we come back. We are straight out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight
1: Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I
0: disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the word, then the hammer's gonna fall. I'm RJ Bell. We are Straight Out of Vegas, joined by Steve Fezzik. Joan is back tomorrow. And we're talking about the Eastern Conference in the NBA and how important the rest of the season is. On the herd, Colin thought, hey, maybe this is a coincidence. Durant back tonight, Harden, and coincidence in quotes, wink, wink, was his thought. Now let's give Harden a 10-day rest was the implication. I disagree. Juan Harden was in the midst of an MVP-type pursuit. I mean, the narrative a week ago, if you say, what's the what were the macro NBA narratives, you'd have to say Harden and his MVP possibility, and the contrast between that and how he got out of Houston, that was right at the top, wouldn't yeah. you say, as of the yeah. conversation?
2: Yes, he had moved up to the number two pick to win the MVP, in fact, beyond the Joker.
0: And I think it was very meaningful, very meaningful um, as a redemptive story For Harden, I don't think he's resting. So if he's not, what are the stakes between Milwaukee, the Nets, and the Sixers? We'll talk about that this segment. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. The audience has doubled in the last year plus. We thank you for the support, and we're going to keep working extra hard for you. We appreciate it that much. You can listen on the iHeartRadio app. Just search straight out of Vegas or RJ Bell. In Vegas on the strip, 83 degrees. The neon is pumping. So, right now in the East, Sixers are number one, tied with the Nets 35 and 16, 35 and 16. Milwaukee Bucks, two and a half games back. And then the fourth team, the Atlanta Hawks. Now, Miami's right in the mix for that f- number four. But we got division odds. And they tell us what? What's the projection on Miami or Atlanta finishing higher? Miami is a slight favorite to win the division. Like a coin flip, a little bit better than a coin flip. That's right. Okay. The question becomes the number one seed between Brooklyn and Philly. Let's assume everyone wins the first round, which they typically do. Now it's going to be, let's say, the number one seed versus the Atlanta Hawks. And then the number 2 seed versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Hmm. Now, power ratings-wise, Fez does NBA power ratings. How much better is Milwaukee than Atlanta? Four and a half points better. Okay. And we're assuming that... uh, Let's think of it this way. So if Atlanta's playing the Sixers versus Brooklyn playing the Bucks, you would make the case Brooklyn and the Bucks are going to be, home field's going to be a little edge, but man, you know, Brooklyn would be a small favor, right? Exactly Not much right. more than, maybe minus 180, 200? 200, 200. Maybe? Okay. So about a, you know, two out of three chance to win. The Sixers against Atlanta... Could be minus 500. Exactly. So you're saying like uh, an 86% chance of winning. So we're talking about like a 66% chance of winning if you end up being the number two. In the second round now, we're talking about only the number two seed. And if you're the number one seed, almost a 90% chance. That's big. Not to mention, you'd have home court the next round, which is going to help you. Mm -hmm. So really more so than most years. I mean, in the West, you don't know who's going to be what. Dodging the Lakers, dodging the Clippers, dodging who knows what, right? Because is Utah better than Denver? You know, Utah has had so few games missed by COVID or injury. A lot of other teams have had. Now you got Denver playing better after the trading deadline with Jones. The trade is, I don't know, but what I know is, the Atlanta Hawks aren't near as good as the Milwaukee Bucks, and Miami Heat are not near as good as the Milwaukee Bucks. Thus, the number one seed in the East has a big advantage. Kevin Durant returns tonight in pursuit of that number one seed, and the line on that game. Let's pull up. What's our current number? Brooklyn's laying nine against and New Orleans. It, all right, and this is in Brooklyn. Yes. What's your? Th- I mean. Durant's been famous for coming back and, and starting strong. Meaning, you know, I've just been hearing recently, he came back from the foot injury, he came back at various points. When he came back in the playoffs, I guess not last year, but the year before, he played really well uh, until he got hurt again. Part of me thinks they're going to want to make a statement without heart. I mean, because think about it. Let's say they they lose. They could lose. Zion's playing great. In fact, I saw, I heard a stat on the herd today that was fascinating. This, if Zion scores 20 points tonight or more and shoots better than 50%, he'll have a successive game streak of that. And Mackenzie research, maybe uh, this is probably around on Twitter. Pull up the, the number of games it's been. I think it's over t- uh, 20, if I'm not mistaken. But it will tie Shaq's record. NBA record ever for having 20 point games in succession that all include 50% or better shooting. And that's impressive. So to some degree with Zion, we can debate okay, are they winning New Orleans and all this stuff and uh, okay. you. Oh, that's interesting. Steve just passed me a note About a prop, and so it's Durant. You're saying over blocks, he's gone 11 straight with that. But obviously, he's been out a bunch of games. But you're saying in the games he played, and it's over a half a block. So the question is, will we have a block or not? And it's minus 170 to the over? Yes, and
2: he's playing a team in New Orleans. But with the injury, doesn't that worry you a little bit? Well, New Orleans, all they do is
0: shoot in the paint. And so I think he's going to get lots of opportunities for blocks also. Or maybe try to get, like, uh, that's an interesting point. So you're saying, like, and I think against Zion, he'd love to get one from behind or something. All right, let's make it official. This is what we call an impromptu pick. You never know when you're going to get a pick. Steve Fezzik, you want this, right? I do. All right, so it's going to be over a half a block for Kevin Durant. That means one or more. And you're going to lay 170. And it's been 11 straight games he's had at least a block. Yes. I like it. I'll co-sign, as they say. AutoZone has more ways for you to start your job your way. That means getting what you need fast. Some jobs can't wait. That's why AutoZone offers free same-day store pickup. Free next-day delivery is available in over 100,000 parts. Visit AutoZone.com today to start your job fast. Get in the zone. AutoZone. 76ers. So we talked about Boston and their failings. This year Sixers I think are in a sneaky spot. Did you get that Zion stat by the way, McKenzie? Yes, he's had 25 games of 50% shooting and 20 points per game. So 25 yeah. games in a row that he scores 20 and he shoots 50% or better. He's going for number 26 tonight which would break Shaquille O'Neal's record. It would break the record. Mm. Shaq Daddy. Oh, he was he was tough. Gotta give Zion credit, man. Only question with him is the health. Because it's too early to say he's not winning. Look at Michael. To some degree, part of the NBA initiation is, I'm not even sure initiation, life cycle is you come in and you're gonna be drafted by a bad team if you're elite. It's the way the draft typically works. Larry Bird wasn't, you know, magic was an exception, but typically it works that way. I mean, I guess Darko Milovich, but that was <laughs> a different thing. And, and then you got to become the leader. You know, Jordan, the last dance, talking about coming in and seeing him do drugs or whatever, him saying, no, that's not us. I'm out of, out of that. And the team evolves. Then you make the playoffs. And yeah, you get some experience. 63 against Boston. And then you get to the cusp on the door. At the doors. Bum Phillips. Former Houston (laughs) Oilers coach said, first year we knocked on it against the Steelers, second year we pounded on it, this year we kick it down. No, didn't. No. It didn't happen. But as a Steelers fan, (laughs) I can appreciate that. But against the bad boys, it's like you got to get seasoned, get a few scars on them, knock them down a few times, and then you bust through. Then it's a coronation. That is a wonderful story. And to some degree, that was LeBron. To a great degree, actually, right? Shows up. Summer leagues, I can still remember watching. The summer leagues, it was so big. And he's good. He's better than people expected. Make the playoffs. And lo and behold, drags a, you know, average team against the Spurs. Gets dominated. Finds out with, how Duncan wins, how Popovich wins. Gets some better players around him. Has that game against, what was that, Orlando? The, that long series. Remember, Orlando went in and played the Lakers. After they beat, and then finally bust through, but even then, the Mavs beat them. And the questions, the big three, and then boom, boom, two titles. That that's that's the typical NBA story, and Zion is ahead of pace with that. I think it's fair to say it'd be it'd be unfair to say he was behind pace. And I know in today's society, we get um, impatient. But my thought, Fez, is Zion's ahead of pace. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I certainly agree with that. And he's, we forget how young he is, you know. Let's give him a couple years. Absolutely, he'll be in the MVP consideration if he keeps trending upwards. He's on
0: pace to be Zion, the first player ever to average 25 points per game and shoot over 60%. The best in that area has been Kevin McHale, who had 25 points per game and shot 59.9, almost there. And, I mean, again, there's a case of Mikhail being an all-timer, a Hall of Famer. What are we, what's the big thing in basketball today? Space, efficiency, blah, blah, blah. It's usually about you either shoot at the rim or you shoot threes. Why do you shoot at the rim? Because if you're only going to score two points, you want to score at a high percentage. Well, when you're shooting over 60% and you're and doing it at volume, it's one thing if a guy just dunks, right? Which is valuable. But if a guy's just dunking, gives you eight points a game, and he shoots 65%, that's great. But that's eight points a game. Imagine four of those guys in plus and plus, and you got, or I guess with eight points a game, it'd be, yeah i would be uh, seven points a game before, but yeah, Zion is working where he's going to be, what, at 25 points per game, he's going to be one of the top 10 or 12 scorers in the league, right, on the cusp of that, and shooting over 60%, amazing. Now, the Pelicans, a lot of other questions. You've got to pick, as we said on this Nets game, anything uh, with the blocks on Durant over, anything else in that game or the Nets? No. All right, let's shift gears. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. We're going to talk Masters about 648, right before 650 Eastern, but let's talk a little bit about all the San Francisco 49er talk, and I'm going to pose the following question. And Mackenzie, he went to Yale. He sometimes struggles to hit the mic, though. It's a very complex, like, (laughs) it's a button right there, and you press it, and and he is, you know, relay first cousin with Kyle Shanahan and a staunch defender, staunch. His theory is maybe a lot of this Mac Jones stuff is a smokescreen. And my question is, and Mackenzie, I'll ask you, I'll ask Fez, ask anyone, tweet me if you have a thought on this, at RJ in Vegas, we'll actually read it the next segment. If it's good, we set a high bar, at RJ in Vegas, answer this question. Why? Why would the 49ers waste any time with a smokescreen? The number one pick, Trevor Lawrence. Number two pick, Zach Wilson. By all accounts, if somehow the Jets decide that's not the case, then the 49ers probably feel pretty good about Zach Wilson at three. So, Because when you trade up like that and give a king's ransom to get to three, it means that you are fine with at least three quarterbacks. Yes. It would make no sense to be fine with only two and think, I hope they don't pick Trevor Lawrence. I know they might, but I hope they don't. And then if they do, no way, Zach Wilson. I know the odds say it's like 85%, but I'm hoping no. That's not the way NFL teams are working. They like a third guy. So whoever that third guy is, why have a smokescreen? I believe there's reasons not to have a smokescreen. One of those reasons being, once you draft your third guy, if he feels like that you were behind him from the start, that you traded up and that was your guy and you got him, that gets you equity, that gets you buy-in. Uncertainty does what? It makes him feel like, I wonder if they really wanted me all along. Mm. I know it's a small thing, but why? Why? And then the idea of oh, Nick Saban saying he didn't talk about this, didn't talk about that. Why waste the bandwidth? What, you, you really think they didn't go see Justin Fields to deceive people? Let's say let's have less information so the media McShay doesn't know who we're picking. <laughs> Makes no sense, Mister Yale McKenzie. Well, there's Make been, your case. There's been some talk about what the Atlanta Falcons
1: are going to do it for. My, uh, does it? Does it matter? My, my thinking is if they can convince people that Mac Jones is their guy at three. There's going to be a lot of people in line saying, hey, well, Justin Fields is better than them. Let's trade up and get to the number three. And 49ers think, well, if we go
0: to four, we know Trey Lance is going to be there. Whoa, 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 whoa. You just mumbled something. If we go to four, what do you mean if they go to if four? they trade with the Falcons. Why would they trade with the Falcons? Because
1: the Falcons think if they give up a little bit, they can not only get their QB of their future, but Justin Fields, a better QB than they think they would get it for.
0: But if, if if they got people, you're saying if the 49ers are convincing people that Mac Jones is the pick, why would the Falcons, if they want Fields, not just sit there? <laughs> All right. Because they 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 know that the 49ers don't need to be a three to get Jones, so that entices them to, to trade promote. up for what value though. Meaning, I could see someone else, in theory, wanting to trade up with the 49ers, assuming that... And I think that's more possible if Jones is their guy. Okay, except when you trade... So, what, you're saying something very different than the Atlanta Falcons trade up now, right? You're saying, if people think the 49ers are picking Jones, people might try to tempt them with a trade to like go from 3 to 6 or something, because he might still be there. Well, if that was the case, the 49ers would have done better just to go to 6 to start with. Which was obviously available because the 70 or the Eagles were willing to trade it. They went from, they said, remember we said, oh, the idea that the Jets turned this down because why not go to two for the same package? Well, the same theory is they had to at least want to get to three because you know six was available cheaper, right? Right. So, and if everyone say, this whole idea Mac Jones wouldn't go till late is just total BS. This is what, well, first off, do you have any theories on this, Fez? You know, you're the master of this stuff, not me, so I really don't. All right, here's the question. I'm R.J. Bowe. straight out of Vegas. That's Steve Fezzik. Here's the question to me. Everyone's saying, why would you trade a King's ransom in order to have a guy kind of like Jimmy G, who might be maybe a little better than Jimmy G, accurate, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. Let's assume that's true. I don't think it's true. If you actually look at Mac Jones's Measurable? He ran like a four six eight. He's not a horrible. He's not a horrible athlete. Faster than Patrick Mahomes? Is that right? It, Forty time, yeah. Whoa, wowza! That's a lead story right there. Okay, the most the, the highest grade in PFF history. I think they've been grading quarterbacks in college since twelve, maybe. I'm not sure, but highest grade, and they're not looking at how open the receiver is. They're looking at the throw itself. This guy is a better, let's say he is only a better version than Jimmy G. They're getting him for five years cheap. The 50 are not as cheap. So now you can have Jimmy G at 25, 28 million, or Mac Jones, let's say the same thing at, you know, five, seven, eight, whatever it is. I mean, as a high pick, it's not nothing, but and then with all that money, you can buy better players than those picks could have bought. I like that take. Thus, if, meaning the extra picks they trade. Yeah. So, if you believe that Mac Jones is a borderline sure thing at a modest level, let's say the 12th best quarterback, then it's a hell of a move. And when you're an ego guy, like Kyle Shanahan should be, quite frankly, when you're an ego guy, you think, I don't need a great quarterback. I just need a good quarterback. Jimmy G was not quite good enough. Give me a guy as good, if not a little bit better, and give me another $20 million to spread around. Mm-hmm. We win that Super Bowl. And it feels like almost a sure thing. You take any project, it, they may turn out to be better. They may turn out to be worse and set your whole franchise back five years. Here, you're shooting for a double, not a home run, but Kyle Shanahan thinks he only needs a double mm-hmm.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
0: All right, we are straight out of Vegas. When we come back, a full betting preview of the Masters. Yes, that is a big tease because we're going to give you big value when we come back. We are straight out of Vegas. Straight
1: out of Vegas!
0: Fox Sports Radio has
1: the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Tax refunds are great for fresh starts, especially in 2021. Refresh your ride with your refund at MAKO and make the year one you'll never forget. Head to MAKO.com to get a free estimate today. Uh Uh-oh, better get MAKO.
0: J Bell, we are straight out of Vegas. Steve Fezzik joins. Joan is back tomorrow. Big masters betting preview, straight out of Vegas for you. And it's before 650 Eastern. Remember, before 650, we do better than 50-50 for the batters. You got a best bet coming up in a few minutes, Fez. One thing, let's talk about the favorites first. So the favorites to be the outright champion. Dustin Johnson, nine to one. This is the defending champion. DeChambeau. Now, we don't have all the time to dig into it, Fez, but you have a special relationship with DeChambeau.
2: Yeah, he's a mad scientist that lifts weights. I love DeChambeau.
0: It's so hot. Now, I don't know who hit that. That was weird. <laughs> is you really like were almost like the George Costanza skit in Seinfeld. Or, or seen when he was in the hospital and somehow there was a, a a strapping fellow who was massaging someone. It seemed kind of similar, your reaction. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm not saying you had to necessarily... Would you agree with that? Yes, I would. So hot. Okay. But he isn't someone we're super optimistic about here. Just Again, he might just John Daly style, change everything and do great. But the Masters has not been... His tournament. In fact, he was an amateur when he had his best score. Do you have any reason other than your personal um, attraction that you would say that DeChambeau should do well? No, this would not be the tournament I would bet him. All right. Justin Thomas, 11 to 1. Jordan Speef, 12 to 1. And here's the guy that's kind of interesting uh, there's Ron, John Rahm, 12 to 1. Then Rory McElroy, a big name. He needs the Masters to complete his career slam. A lot of pessimism about that. You've got a best bet that involves Rory. All right, Fez, best bet time, and this is going to be a golf matchup.
1: Come on, baby, (laughs) $80,000!
2: Dustin Johnson, minus 130 against Rory McIlroy
0: for the tournament. All right, so this means, what is their score? If one misses the cut the other one makes it, you win. Otherwise, one drops out, other one finishes, you win. So, it's just who finishes higher. Now, if they both don't make the cut, it, if one finishes higher, they still win, right? That's correct. Okay. And what are the odds again? So, Dustin Johnson minus 130. Lay right, 130 so to win 100. 130 wins 100. So little. And if you were to tell Roy, you'd be like plus 110. So, a little better than 50%. What's your rationale?
2: Rory McElroy, if you look at him in terms of odds, normally you can't get very good futures odds. You certainly can't get bargains on big-name b- golfers.
0: Big-name, successful generally.
2: Exactly right. So, I was shopping, Rory. What's this? I'm seeing big
0: jumbo payouts, 20-to-1 at some sharp books. All right. So, when you say a sharp book, and this is important, you go to like a William Hill, big name, but they have recreational batters mostly. They're not known to want to take sharp action. Rory McElroy 14-to-1, let's say. You go to a place like the Westgate, which is known to take sharp action, and they have a golf expertise at the Westgate specifically, and 20 to 1. Yes. So they're saying, we got the best prices in town. You want Rory come here, which means the Sharp Books are saying they are fading Rory. They're saying, we don't think he has a chance to win. There's a down arrow pessimism, which makes you want to play against him in the matchup. Exactly right. So, what's the best way to bet against Rory, if you will? Well, I'm going to
2: take the defending champion who finished second the year before. I'm taking Dustin Johnson, minus 130.
0: Okay. And the theory is Dustin Johnson is the favorite now. And if you think about it, if one guy's 9-1, to the other guy is 20-1 to at the sharp books, you're thinking... Well, he's got about double the chance, you know, however you want to think. That's not always the right way to do it. But in this case, I guess it would be, right? Be a 5% chance versus a 10% chance yes. or so. And you're thinking, okay, well, what's the odds of that ten, that double guy over the half guy odds to win? And it's like, you only got to lay 130? That's only a smidge over normal VIG. I like it. In fact, I'm co-signing another one. You had an earlier one on Durant having a block, minus 170 on the over in tonight's game. He's been 11-0 having a block. Now he's coming back from his injury. You like over Durant having a block. You also like... Dustin Johnson, minus 130. All right, guys. By the way, chances of a hole-in-one, 57%. That might be a fun bar bet based upon the odds. Tomorrow getting into the draft, talking about day one of the Masters. A lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. Fez, you're going to be off. All right. We gave you the odds. (laughs) Great show for Fez. Next up, (laughs) the odd couple.
1: out of Vegas!